You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And this week, we're taking a look at something that we do maybe once or twice a year, usually. Uh, and that is take a look into kind of a deep dive of the quarterly Hasbro earnings call. Yes. Now, why is it relevant to MTG Finance? Well, because, as you'll find out from most of these calls, Wizards of the Coast is kind of the cash cow at Hasbro. Uh, as the winds blow at Hasbro, so too blows Wizards of the Coast. Mm -hmm. So, we did the reading. We went through it so you didn't have to. We've got two parts here. Episode one, just the facts. What the call means, what was relevant, highlights, pulled apart data, whatever. Part two, our reactions. So, with that, let's take it away. Uh, up top, Chris Cox would like everyone to know that new products are delighting our fans around the world, including the return of Furby. That was uh, news to me. I... To hope it's a demonic television show or that just that weird recorder that got in trouble in uh, government buildings now yeah uh, in q2 hasbro inc saw a revenue decline of 10 percent. that was ahead of expectations and that was driven by stronger than planned point of sale trends within consumer products so basically what that means is that expectation was was a larger decrease in revenue due to more sluggish sales compared to payouts reductions across the organization of various uh, odds and ends. But what happened was they actually saw stronger than expected sales and that reduced the amount of revenue declined. So we Hasbro knew they were going to be in the red. And basically the statement says, hey, we, were, we expected to be in the red 10% or sorry, more than 10%. And we ended up being only 10% in the red. Cool, fine. That's great. This is a company that said last year they needed to restructure. They cited some uh, some things that we will go over later, and yep. they noted their brand blueprint 2.0 as being an object revolutionary. Yeah, uh, to move forward with and hope that it could buffer this. And it looks like some of their planning has. Uh, something that's relevant to the call and is something that's kind of made news recently after Mero had a conversation everything is that Lord of the Rings is seen as an evergreen set. It's a long tail product, which means they can print it as long as one. They can afford the license, depending on what the licensing agreement was. And two, as long as it sells well. Now, the reason this matters is because we have a upcoming reprint, uh, restock, whatever. MH2 is also an evergreen long tail product. Yes. There's a reprint coming next month or restock next month or October at some point. Uh, that set came out a while ago. Mm -hmm. That being the case, that means Lord of the Rings is seen as one of these sets that maybe a year down the line, Wizards of the Coast is like, hey, our sales numbers are dra dragging a little. Let's throw some new serialized cards into the Lord of the Rings and we'll try it again. Again, milking the cow for all it is worth. Yep. So it's a, like that was kind of interesting to see. And there's like some weird um, interpretation of this. It happened on the call. I, I couldn't find it in the PowerPoint or in the call notes. 
So it looked like there was just kind of Chris Cox's word that were misconstrued uh, around the word evergreen yeah. uh, versus long tail. And to your point, long tail just means that they can either continue printing this at a rate that they see fit or fire up the printers for it whenever they need. Yeah. One of the other things they did that they cited uh, last year and that did impact magic was the global local and global inventory levels or owned and global inventory levels. And those were reduced by 16% each, which was great. It basically meant that all the warehouse toys that they had, games, everything, it's starting to move. So they're no yeah. longer just sitting there collecting dust and becoming a money pit. That's what they wanted to see. That's what we want to see as, you know, people who are interested in seeing this company continue to succeed is if they have overhead stock, they need to get rid of it somehow. And if it's just fire selling it, awesome. Get it yeah. out of there. You know, be done with it. The other relevant thing about that is that obviously set selling well is great for shareholder metrics. It's great for board metrics. It's less good for player metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, think of yourself as a player. Hasbro is marketing, or Wizards of the Coast is marketing a new set to you every day, just about. Well, just because they print it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to buy it at the rate that it has to be for stores to sell it profitably. Yeah. Uh, it also speaks to the fact that they're doing more print-to-demand from a Magic sense. We've been, we've been seeing secret layers print-to-demand for a couple of years now, so we know that Magic product is not really part of that overhead. But that does impact Hasbro's bottom line, which then in turn impacts watsy at the end of the day because ca causing cut sorry cost cutting measures are taken across the entirety of an organization nobody is safe safe from it no so when you no longer have to worry about your overstock of you know ip branded monopolies that are just rotting somewhere you can be feel safer on the watsy side of things and Ooh. I want to I want to stay outside Watsi for a little for a little bit longer before we go back to yeah. that. So also in that reduction, uh, the entertainment division that was actually just a huge loss, uh, two hundred and ninety six yeah. million uh, loss overall. That's part of a goodwill payout for basically shift uh, yeah shifting the E one brand to Lionsgate Film, and which they still hadn't finished paying off. Nope. And on top of that, a $25 million loss for the D&D &D movie. Now, I don't know if that's the entire thing. We went over this when we were discussing the movie. It was very hard to pin down what the actual budget for the movie was. And to figure out the true spend, you take budget, you multiply it by two because you need to market the movie. And that is the rule of thumb math. There's no way that this movie that cost like 50-some or whatever it was, million, it ended up costing 100, made 75. It didn't even look like it was close. It didn't look like it was going to break half of what they spent on just the movie itself. So they paid 20, that's a, they paid 25 million this quarter. It could be another 25 next quarter on it, effectively. And then, yeah, to your point, the 296 million is a part of the payment for shifting E1 to Lionsgate. And also in that little bit of text in the in the write-up, they discuss what Hasbro is really meant to do with their characters and their world building, which is they said that this is something they want to focus on. That's what they said when they bought Watsi, that they yep. wanted to focus on the, the story building and let Watsi worry about the world and the card game. And this is something I forgot about until I was... I don't even know how we got on the topic. 
on Monday, but people started talking about the the yeah. magic novel or it was something I was listening to. Novels were so good. Yeah. Oh, was it the Oh no, it was the Goldfish podcast. They were talking about the uh the novels yeah. and how like before War of the Spark, the storylines got really weird. Various people were picking it up. There was no like cohesion to it, just some light threads between those books and eventually it seems like it, you know, it went, went online and then it just disappeared. Yeah. So where is the world building? If Hasbro was going to focus on that, rather the story building. So if Hasbro said there's going to focus on that, if that was going to be a tenant of why they, you know, bought Watsi to free them up from that, where is it? Well, they made the promise again in this statement that that's what they want to focus on. So hopefully they we will. Get, they will. Uh, also in this section was discussion about the loss involved with shedding E1 and the TV and uh, movie projects that come with it. So we discussed some of those TV shows, like The Rookie was that one? With yeah, Fillion. The Rookie was like their longest running one. Yeah. yeah, so we discussed that. I don't know if that actually means that they're going to be shipping off any kind of non-toy related license for Power Rangers, because that was a big spend. The live action, G.I. Joseph, etc. we'll kind of see. But that was all part and parcel of that, was this huge, like, 320 some million dollar hit to their bottom yep. line and you can see that number just kind of crush this uh, mm. th- this quarterly earnings call alongside the man they say this once or they say it in such a way that it really makes you think <laughs> a lot happened but they cite the loss of licenses they lost one they lost the Disney princess line to Mattel but they, they talk about it like they lost 40 of them and they were all yeah. worth the same, but it's not the case. They lost the princess line to Mattel, and so with that came an expected revenue that just didn't appear. That There's no line item for this anymore on, on the earnings calls. So that was a big, big hit. Yeah, that, that was a big one, especially you know another point they touch on when they're talking about you know, innovation is we got these licenses for Lord of the Rings, Monopoly NBA Prism, and Super Mario Brothers games. So they're saying we lost a bunch because we shed a license. But we also innovated with these licenses, which are more numerous than the ones we lost. Mm -hmm. Which is a very, I don't know, to me, kind of shady way to obfuscate the fact that you picked up other licenses and that's kind of what may have contributed to this as well is yep. that the one license you lost was worth the most money. Yeah. Uh, and to, to dovetail again, the statement or another statement around that is that digital and licensed gaming revenue increased by 33% bolstered by the addition of D and D beyond and growth in magic, the gathering arena. So basically that's just saying that the, uh, the licensing that they paid for, for D and D and magic has paid out from a digital standpoint. Just, slamming them onto arena and into D and D beyond has worked out really well for them. Yeah. So that, that part, one thing that I think is relevant that was left out of a lot of the calls is when they're talking about digital licensing, uh, they talk about like game development and stuff like that. At no point does, is Baldur's great Baldur's gate three mentioned. Yeah. Uh, that's a very interesting, like, and I get it. It's technically Q3 that it came out because it was like August 3rd or whatever. But at a fireside chat, Chris had mentioned, oh, our earnings are going to be great in Q3 because of this. 
the fact that it wasn't even brought up in the lice in the call is of relevance to me, which I'll touch on in episode two. But yeah, like when game releases were done through brick and mortar stores, I know a lot depended on your pre-sale numbers, and yeah. I, that those would happen months and months and months in advance. You, like because it Baldur's Gate releases in like mid Q3, chances are that pre-order started in Q1. And so, well, and it was an early access title as well for five years. All right, fair. So you can yeah. start attributing a lot of your pre-orders appropriately instead of to just like release day and like that quarter. So we'll, we'll see what comes comes of that for sure. That's actually just compl- like I've been watching just people post about that game for like two weeks and it just like completely yeah. went over my head that this was actually a product that Watsy or rather Hasbro pulls profit down from despite the fact that it's wholly a D&D wrapped yeah. product, which is but interesting and, and great at the same time. Let's see. What mm. else do we have here? So we have uh, paper revenue was down. Shocking. As the number of units sold in Q2 were down. And that makes sense when we take a look at the, the data from the PowerPoint and we see that four major sets were released in Q2 2022 and three major sets were released in Q3 2020 2023. So we have actually another little interesting bit here in that on average in Q2 2022, each set made less money than in Q2 2023. So we have in 2023, we have Lord of the Rings, which we know is basically just going to be the trendsetter here. That's going to be the one pulling up everything around it, which was yep. a standard set and something else we can't quite figure out. Like the something just didn't make sense when we were looking at these numbers. But basically, whatever's happening, yeah. Lord of the Rings is, is skewing it, and it will continue to skew numbers through the rest of the quarters. But hey, that's fine. Yeah, I. It, it's always interesting to me in these powerpoints. Uh, how obfuscated the data is. And I think that is also relevant, which is something we touched on literally every time that we've talked about this. And I understand why, but the obfuscation does not sit well. And again, it's a very deliberate move by there on their part. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about licensing and this is going to be something that we might just have to do a touch and go on because I assume we'll want to spend some time on this next bullet point. Operating profit decline of 37% due to lower revenue higher royalty expense associated with universes beyond and increased investments back into universe beyond universes beyond right yep. so that means the royalties for i assume that includes licensing it's yeah. going to include uh, the art associated with etc shoot into 37 percent of the profit now that doesn't mean it wasn't unprofitable no it was just in comparison it was down 37%. So that's, they're going to put in, like I like we mentioned, there's the Lord of the Rings stuff and then whatever happened in the secret layers throughout that, uh, that series. Um, royalties to the artists that are doing the artist series stuff so in particular, the individual artists with secret layers, et cetera, is going to happen. Then we have the Doctor Who stuff coming out in October. So that'll be Q4, barely. I'd have to double check to see if it's September or October when it releases. But yeah, we could see an even larger reduction in revenue 
because of the cost of that license. I do not know. Yeah. I can't imagine what the BBC is going to ask for this. And then you have likeness rights as well, yep. uh, not just royalties, because they are using the likeness of all the doctors, all the companions, you know, and that's another little... The Daleks everything. Yeah. I don't think you have to pay a Dalek like likeness rights. You're going to pay it to a garbage can? Well, that's like... fair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a plunger, oh. but... Yeah, and that'll be something else that I don't think they've really had to do. Like, you know, Hasbro owns, uh, they haven't done G.I. Joe stuff, right? So you, no. if you wanted to go back and you wanted to look at, um, for instance, I guess the real American hero was the last cartoon version of that. And only Sergeant Slaughter yeah. was based on an actual human being. But there are no likeness rights to pay out otherwise if you wanted to do universes beyond of that. They have had to do it with the um, Stranger Things and Walking yeah. Dead secret layers, but we hadn't really seen that this line item kind of broken out that way. And even if it was, and we, we, we glanced to buy it, it's not going to be as heavy-handed as the Doctor Who stuff. You have no. a handful of people. You don't have decades worth when it comes to Doctor Who stuff. So that'll be an interesting line item to keep our eyes on. Uh, the thing that I do want to say about keeping eyes on that for licensing specifically is... You know, for those of you that saw the Q or 2024 release, there are Fallout, Assassin's Creed, Final Fantasy, a lot of big IPs. So this is definitely something that I feel like, and it's pretty much glossed over in the PowerPoint as well. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going to be one of the most relevant things to pay attention to as far as what's going on with Hasbro and how it could have wizards of the coast because of how much they're spending on licensing and how little they're making yep and the the rest there's they're still making but their licenses aren't making as much as other licensed products that's right yes uh, and then at the end of the day the rest of it just kind of reads uh business as usual peppa pig just absolutely crushing it with not <laughs> without like a huge push behind it uh, apparently according to hasbro this is like the best year for transformers toys but that's yeah. because a movie hit we had Rise of the Beasts or whatever it was uh, without yeah. Optimus Primal by name in, well, in the trailers. Uh, interesting. Yeah. And then we had uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which has been like apparently this year-long grind for Spider-Man toys. That license has just been – or the it, Marvel licensing has just been paying out hand over fist for Spider-Man for a year because this movie was delayed for so long. And it was incredible. Yeah. Like hands down, amazing movie. And then, like, like the that 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 license was paying out like gangbusters, printing money, exactly. Yeah. So all said and told, that's going pretty well. Uh, they they, yeah. I think they did cite that internal. I forget the the term they use for it. Uh, franchise brands. That's it. Yes, franchise brands. That's the one. Um. So that, that's the internal stuff. That's Transformers, D and D, Peppa Pig. That's the stuff they own. Uh. I I feel like they noted that their franchise board like games were down so their actual yeah. board games like the like i harped on the monopoly stuff right that kind of crap is down overall but we we kind of expect that it is we're in an era with board games where that stuff isn't the most interesting not the best stuff to be doing even with your family and kids there's some more engaging more interesting things to be doing yeah. so it kind of makes sense that we see like the macro beer of games fade away while the micro is kind of picking up 
overall. Yep. Nothing to do with Amazon versus the LGS. This is just a shift in preference. Yep. Um, and then the, the partner brand stuff, that's where the Spider-Man licensing uh, comes in. Here it is. Sales of Hasbro products for Spider-Man by Marvel are up with an over 100% increase in point of sale year over yep. year since the release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and further supported by the preschool series evergreen marketing and new product releases so that's just basically in-store purchases are up yep. over 100 percent, which is fantastic awesome go get it yeah like great and so like i said the rest of this is just kind of business as usual uh it was difficult to kind of pull this apart because it was just attempting to uh, determine loss points like, yeah. you know, where your key loss leader is, okay, it's obviously the payout for E1, and once you dive past that, what else is failing and why? And it's just, like, little failures all over the place with some reclamation projects in the yeah. middle, like the drain on uh, just the global product that was sitting around, the, yeah. the owned I, product that was sitting around. Good reclamation project. Yeah. Positive and, move. Exactly. And then that's it. So this is kind of like pretty cut and dry there's just a lot to react to that we want to save it for next week on the way out though there is something a little more we wanted to go over yeah uh so this actually just dropped last week so there's this new source uh license global yes which talks about licenses financial growth and licenses uh it's no secret that for a long time pokemon has been compared to magic because of card games etc uh, last year, Pokemon Company experienced a 36% growth because of how much revenue they made from licensing their own brands. Uh, that's insane. Yep. Like that, that is an enormous increase in size. If the Pokemon Company is able to license its products out to everyone basically i mean they even licensed to universal studios their uh park in like osaka has exclusive pokemon merchandise it is so powerful that <laughs> this company believes that because of the licensed pokemon product there universal is seeing growth like market growth because people are going to universal to buy the pokemon product that's there yeah uh, and it's it's very interesting to me that Pokemon has found a way to take advantage of licensing its own properties uh, and grow the company in doing so. Yet Hasbro has basically been shedding for about two years now and just keeping its three or four IPs without actually making new ones and trying to grow the brand. Uh, that, to me, is a huge opportunity for them that I feel they should correct. Because they're both global companies. Yep. Pokemon has been around for a slightly shorter time than Magic. 96, but, yeah. Yeah, but somehow they have been able to grow their brand exponentially through marketing, through licensing, through a bunch of agreements that Hasbro all has access to. Mm -hmm. But they don't use their IPs for it. I can't remember the last time there wasn't a Pokemon show on television. I can't remember the last time there was a Transformers show on television. Just sure. something that I wanted to mention because I think it's relevant. Yep. Uh, it shows 
some level of ineptitude, I think, on the part of Hasbro to not properly market all of its properties, except Peckba Pig. You continue to fucking kill it, girl. Yeah. A lot of that stems from the fact that the Pokemon company is willing to license its products out to companies that can handle it properly. Yeah. So they own the IP, and then they let somebody else take care of the TV show, and somebody else make their their plushies, and somebody else make their card game, and somebody else make their key. That's it. They just let it go, whereas Hasbro wanted to in-house everything. Found out after, like, Ooh. six, eight, ten years that they, ca- they couldn't handle it. Yeah. yeah. And now he's shedding it and showing that loss for it. So instead of working similarly to the Pokemon company and letting people with expertise in the space work with our IPs, they wanted to bring it all in-house and become some one-stop shop, some conglomerate, you know, a factory, yeah. effectively. And that was that seemed to be the brand blueprint, was to own it all and just own all avenues of creation, marketing, and thus yeah. revenue, so you're not paying anybody else out. But at the end of the day, it was all just straight detriment. Yeah. I, I also, the thing that you said that I really want to harp on here is licensing it to companies that can handle it. Uh, Hasbro, as you said, clearly cannot handle it. Uh, Wand of Gamelon, just look it up. Zelda Wand of Gamelon, guys. This is why you don't license your IPs to companies that don't know what they're doing, and you let someone else handle it that has the expertise and knowledge rather than trying to pick it up and do it yourself. I think I know exactly what that is. That game is hilariously bad. Yeah. There are co- God, I love it. Yeah, there are a couple of them are that people just haven't had the time to experience. But, yeah. So I believe that is going to wrap up part one. Next week, we'll basically go through, we'll break this down, we'll react a little bit accordingly. Yeah. Uh, we might throw some additional facts out there just as we break this down and react because there are there is some minutia to a lot of this when you start looking through the PowerPoint and like the actuarial yep. tables. But this is... We just wanted to cover the highlights from this, some of the quotes that they were giving us, breaking it down and then discussing like some of the largest hits and concerns that they had, like hits to revenue and concerns they had from the year previous to catch up to kind of where we are now. Yeah. So for at MDGigablockcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at Halt, I am Reptar, you are? At Damon underscore Thurston. All right. We're back, baby. All right. We'll see you next week. Deuces.